welcome to Bullpen Sessions, where you will learn the lessons from the athletes excelling at the highest level so you can take these same lessons and apply them to your sport, business, and life. My name is Andy Neary, and each week I sit down with current and former pro athletes and other professionals tied to the sports world where we dive into the mindset of those athletes excelling at the highest level, teaching you lessons you can apply so you can have massive success in your sport, business, and life. So do me a favor, grab your glove, grab a ball, take the mound, because you are about to strike out those limiting beliefs that have been holding you back for oh so long. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I am excited this week to have Joel Green join me. Joel is the CEO of Pro Level Training, LLC. Joel, welcome Bullpen Sessions. Thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate it, man. You bet, man. Well, let's just start right here. For the folks uh, listening in that have no idea who Joel Green is, where are you from? Where are you born? We're going to get into your basketball career and what you're doing with pro level today, but tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background. Uh, I have a vast background, man. Um, I'm from Philadelphia, though. Grew up in, in Philly and um, absolutely love where I'm from. If you know anybody from Philly, we brag about it all the time. But um, grew up in Philly, Philadelphia, went on, played Division One basketball and, you know, uh, had a quite uh, quite a journey in college, man. Uh, went to a few different schools, won a couple of national championships along the way. Um, you know, graduated from Ryder University and played professionally after that. And um, played in a few different countries and decided to go and do the entrepreneur route. Uh, stepped away from ball a little bit sooner than I thought I would initially, but I always had, you know, an entrepreneurial bug in me. I got my business license my rookie season when I was playing in Ireland. And I knew I'll be doing something in business uh, sooner than later. So went that route and um, stepped away from ball, came back to America, do, started doing some sports and fitness modeling and acting. You know, so I was able to do uh, various commercials, a, a TV show and, and, you know, be the face of Cheez-Its Crackers, all these really cool things. Um, and just opened a lot of doors and opportunities uh, for myself and, uh Started pro level training at the same time, and uh, we're now in our 11th year of business, and we're spread across the country, partnered with Nike Sports Camps, U.S. Sports Camps, and uh, like I said, we're about 15 states and close to 40 cities around the country now. That is awesome. You know, I, I got to pause before we move forward because we're going to talk about pro level. I heard face it of Cheez-Its. Yeah. I didn't realize this is part of the resume. You got you to gotta, you gotta tell us about this. Could so, we go on? Um, is there a YouTube commercial out there where we could actually see Joel in a Cheez Its commercial? Well, it's not on the commercial. So it literally was. This is one of the boxes. Let me see if I can grab something for you. So this is one of the boxes right here. I'll see if I can step out for a second. But uh, this was the first box I was on back in 2017. Um, Really cool time, man. You know, I was, you know, pretty much the face of the the, the uh, Cheese the Celebrity Crunch campaign, which is an annual game they put on. And I played in the game. Uh, Maggie Johnson was my coach, playing against Charles Barkley's team. Got a chance to hang out with those guys. Uh, played in the game again back in September. Shaq was my coach, playing against Dominique Wilkins' team. Um, I'll be playing in the game in about three weeks in New Orleans. Drew Brees and Shaq are going to be the coaches. So 
Uh, I have an amazing relationship with Kellogg's, Cheez-Its. Um, it's a fun time, man. A really fun time. And if, if those that are listening and can't, can't see it, he, uh, it's like being on the cover of the, the, the box of the Wheaties. Yeah, so, man. That's, yeah, cool. that's cool. You know, you talked about being from Philly. I have some business peers from Philly, and you're right. People who grew up in Philly, man, are damn proud of where they came from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, question for you. Ryder University, where is that located again? That's in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. So Central Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that because we're doing this uh, interview on March 14th. It's going to air on uh, March 22nd. So we're right in the middle of March Madness. Uh, talk to us a little bit about you came from a conference in college basketball, Division One, but what we probably call mid t- mid-major Division One. Right. Exactly. And what was that like? playing college ball at the highest level, but at a mid-major, because I played mid-major Division One baseball. Mm-hmm. When you guys were playing teams that got a, got a lot more exposure than you, mm-hmm. you know, the, the from the Power Five conferences, did that, did that cause you to play a little bit, your team to play a little bit with a chip on its shoulder? Oh, no question. I mean, that, that you know, you, you, as an athlete, again, you know, you want to prove yourself, especially when you're going up against the, the, the big wigs, the big names, you know, you want to show what you got. And when you go up against them, you're also on the biggest stage. So it's, an, it's that much more of an opportunity to show, hey, we can, we stand to be on the same floor as these guys. So you, you bring your best. And again, you, that chip is definitely there. Anyone that says it's not, you know, it's, it's hard to relate to that. Um, but no question about it, man. You want to prove yourself up against those guys. You may have played against those, some of those individuals in high school. You know, they've gone on to larger schools. So you want to show them, look, you can still hang. Is there any advice you would give that high school basketball player right now? Because I feel like in the recruiting cycle, there's so much attention of you got to go big, go big, go to the power fives. But not everybody's built for that. I wasn't getting recruited by the top schools in college baseball. What advice would you give that high school basketball player who might end up at a Ryder, an Iona, Siena, you know, those teams that are in that MAC conference? There's no, there's nothing wrong with playing at a mid-major conference. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, like I, I would tell the young guys, go where you feel needed the most, you know, because at the end of the day, if you're an athlete coming out of high school, coming out of prep school, junior college, whatever, you want to play. You don't want to just be on the team in college. You want to play. You want to be out on the field, be out on the floor and, um, and compete. So, where you feel the most needed as opposed to um, the label you're attached to, because I mean, that's where a lot, why a lot of players may go big, you know, because, Oh, that name is, is, is amazing. You know, it says Clemson, it says North Carolina, but are you going to play there? Once you're there, are you going to be fulfilled with the, with how you're treated? Are you going to feel like you're getting the most out of yourself or are you going to go four years and begin to just rot by your fourth year. So I would tell young guys, go where you're going to play, where you have a good feeling that you're going to play and be able to compete for four years. You know, it's such it's a such good a point, point. Because with all the, all the chaos this transfer portal has caused oh, in college uh, sports, there, there's, if there's one good thing about it, is I personally believe a lot of kids get recruited above their pay grade. Let's, let's call it that. They end up going to a school. They, they're not going to play. They're yeah. probably a, a little in over their skis on the, on the level of talent. But now that they get the chance to transfer, 
you know, maybe to a school that where they're going to play. And I couldn't agree with you more. I saw so many guys in football and basketball and baseball, Joel, go to colleges for the prestige. No question. But they sit for four years. Right, right. I've seen I, I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> you probably had some some looks from bigger schools. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. But were you going to play? Nah, I don't know. No, and, right. And you knew that at Ryder you were going to get a chance to play, probably play pretty quick. Right, and that, that was my thing. I was being recruited when I was in prep school. I went to the number one prep school in the country. It was Hargrave Military Academy. And, you know, I was being recruited by Clemson, by Wake Forest, ACC schools. And that was my goal, to be honest with you. But as I was even talking to their assistant coaches, they told me, ah, you'll play about this much. And I'm like, really? That's it? You know, it, and it, it, didn't sit, it didn't sit right with me. You know, it felt good to be recruited by them. But I had to look ahead and kind of forecast things and say, okay, how am I actually going to feel about that? I didn't like it. Yeah. So, uh, you know. I didn't realize we were military yeah. school. Yeah, <laughs> it was different. <laughs> so it was I, different. Imagine, I imagine you know a thing or two about discipline. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, I, I better. You know, we, we had to be in formation, fully dressed by 6 a.m. and march to the mess hall every morning for breakfast. It was it was. We wake up to loud horns, Reveille every morning. It, it was a different experience, man. Talk to me one more question about your time at Ryder. We were talking about this offline. You know, you look at that conference, the what are they called? The Mid-Atlantic Athletic Conference, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Iona, coached by the, the famous Rick Patino right now. They were 25 and 5, 25 and 6 this year. And one of the downfalls of those mid-major conferences that usually requires the automatic bid's going to go to who wins the comp who wins the conference tournament and really nothing else and iota iota mopped up but they lost to your rider exactly conference tournament and all of a sudden the ncaa tournament opportunity is gone completely and you talked about while you were at rider you had a year at least one year where you guys won the conference. Talk about the mental side of playing in a mid-major where you know, same thing for us at, at in the Horizon League, mm-hmm. where you know you have to win that conference tournament to get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. What was that like mentally? Mentally, there's no ease. There's no ease of mind or spirit. Um, it's, you know, if you're playing in, you know, one of the power fives, you know, the ACC, the Big East, Big 12, um, you know, as long as you're top three, you have a shot to still make the tournament. And um, that's not the case, you know, in the mid-major conferences. It's you, you win or you go home. You know, maybe you'll make a, a lesser tournament, but nobody really wants that. You know what I mean? You want to make the NCAA tournaments where your, your parents, your family, your friends can watch you from, from home and, and compete on the highest level. So you, you have a different level of, of intensity as you approach those conference games, because, you know, if we lose within the conference tournament, we're out, we're, we're done. There's no shot for us to make the NCAA tournament. So going in, um, you just really, you know, that you have to win. There's no option. That's a really good point. You know, so now your time at Riders over, uh, the NBA doesn't come calling. Hmm. And you end up finding yourself playing overseas. And, and I, you know, in looking at your biography, autobiography, you know, you played in Ireland, mm-hmm. you played in Spain, and I think Venezuela. Correct. Yep. Curious, because I have my own thoughts on this when playing minor league baseball. When you went from Ryder to now playing in Ireland and Spain and Venezuela, did you see a, a definite uptick 
in the level of basketball that was being played? Or did you other see it actually? I see, I hear some people say the opposite sometimes. You felt like college basketball was more competitive than some of the basketball play, being played in some of these other countries. What, what did you, what did you experience? It was on both levels of it. So I felt that the talent was greater in college. The IQs were a little bit better in Europe. So you can tell you had the vets over there. They knew the game of basketball. It may not have been as good, as athletic as college basketball here was in the States, but they knew the game. I mean, they, they would pull off plays that I never saw in America in college. There was an extremely smart play. You know, plays that you would see guys like, Ginobili, you know, Mano Ginobili doing for years in the NBA, you know, just extremely smart plays. They just knew things in a different way. And I remember my coach one time said, you Americans are more athletic. He said, but we're smarter. And he said, you, he said, we, he said, you like to, he said, you guys can go over top of us, but we can go around you. And it made a lot of sense because he was showing me how to use some footwork drills and how to not try to use my athleticism all the time, how to use my, my feet on the ground. So it was just a different type of game over there. And I felt like it was just, you know, the IQ was higher than it was in college. Not that it was their pro IQ was higher than our pro IQ, IQ but, um, it was it was a different level. Well, think about it. How long had the Euro steps been used in European basketball? And then it's been in the last what six, seven years. It's been this revelation yeah, right. in the NBA. Exactly right. Exactly. That, that, that's exactly what he was showing me over there. He was showing me, you know, four or five different Euro steps. So you know, different variations of it. And it was like, this is interesting. I'm like, I'm asking all these questions. Am I allowed to do this? Is this legal? He's like, no. This is this is legal here. You know. And it was just these really wide steps that he was teaching me, breaking them down, walking me through it like I was 10, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is, this is really cool. So it was, I was being exposed to a different side of the game that I didn't see here in the States. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, out of nowhere, probably a year or two after that, I began seeing this Euro step, the Dwayne Wade doing the Euro step and all these, the, Dirk was kind of already doing it a little bit, but um yeah, it was a really cool experience. And now you see, now you see guys like Giannis and Adekupo and Joel Embiid, seven footers using the zero step. It's impossible to stop them. Amazing, man! They cover so much ground. It's oh, it's unbelievable. So, we're gonna get into pro level, which this is a great segue question into it. What advice would you give parents of these kids right now who are talented, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or any other sport from in high school? You know, you're somebody who went to a mid-major, Ryder University. Yeah, you didn't end up in the NBA, but let's be honest. Of all the pro sports, the NBA has the fewest spots ball, for people right, to exactly, make. Exactly, exactly. But you still had a very successful European career where I'm sure you made some decent money, good money, mm -hmm. and, and you still had a pro career. What advice would you give these parents today that are pushing these kids so hard in the sport that they're, they're focused on mm -hmm. when it comes to the opportunities that exist for their kids at the next levels? Make sure your kid gets to a point to where they can do it on their own without you pushing them. And, you know, that's a really important piece because the moment that kid is not around that parent, they're not going to work hard. You know, so even once they go away to school, um, you'll steadily hear about a decline or you'll hear about a steady decline from them because it's like they just, they only operate off of your, your push. Um, so I, I would say parent, I, I would 
dare you to step back. Just, you know, push, continue to motivate them. That's your job. Your job as a parent is to help them become consistent because the kids don't know that they don't know what consistency is just yet. So, you know, definitely help to cultivate consistency within your child. But just periodically step back and see if they can do it on their own. Even if they're 11 years old, after you've pushed them for a little bit, step back for a week and see if they go out on the court or on the field or, and practice on their own and just see what they have on their own and help build that individual, you know, uh, drive, help cultivate that. So that's one thing. And I'm aware of this for my, myself and my son, too. I have a son. He, he's just turned nine years old. And I'm already telling myself, push, but then step back. Push a little bit more than step back just to see what he has on his own. Well said. I mean, this is a great segue now into pro level because you're doing a lot of great work to help athletes improve physically and mentally. Sure. So let's, let's, let's dive into that. Cause you have the credibility to say what you just said as the CEO of pro level training, talk to us. Let's, let's just start right at the basics. What is pro level training? What is its mission? Our mission is to develop athletes mindset and skill set. We, we want their skill set to be able to meet their mindset and vice versa. You know, we, I understand that a lot of kids, even pros, to be honest, you know, may have the skill set, but for some reason that skill set doesn't show up during the game time because the mindset is off. So, you know, we, we're always doing things with kids that will help them to, to develop their proper mentality so that their skills that they do have can actually show on a game floor, not just the, the training floor, the practice floor. We want to help those things translate onto the game, into the game uh, setting. So that's the ultimate mission um, beyond just, you know, helping them to grow as individuals, to be honest, man. As far as developing the mentality, we're not just touching on sports. We touch on life, period. So, um, you know, I, I mention this all the time, but one of the main things we tell kids is like, hey, look, your teammates are going to be called, you know, uh, co-workers one day. You know what I mean? Your coach is going to be called bosses and managers. You know, these referees are going to be called, you know, police officers. You know, the same, they're officials on the field, but they're going to be officers out in the field of life. So, you know, we're always looking to prepare kids for, for life, but at the same time, just trying to help them properly develop the right mindset. Awesome. I'm going to let you go in, into the how you help athletes in a little bit here, but I'm curious with all the athletes you guys are working with today, do you see some common, let's call it weaknesses, mental weaknesses from athletes today that you guys often have to work on? Because I, I, the analogy I just thought of when you said what you said is there's a lot of great practice players, right? Yeah. And for some reason, a lot of these kids just can't step up when it matters the most. What are some of the maybe mental weaknesses or limitations you see that a lot of these athletes need help with? Man, not giving up. You know, that's that's the main thing I see nowadays. It's, it's a, I don't even know if it's a spoiled mentality or if it's a mentality to where they're just miscomprehending what it takes. But, you know, the moment things get tough, because, you know, I've seen so many kids just kind of just stop. It's just, it's over. And it's like, no, just, just keep, keep failing. Keep going for it. You know, just keep, keep missing. Shoot it again. Do not stop shooting. The moment you stop, you can't achieve anything. So, you know, I would say that's the, the main thing I've been coaching kids on. Look, mess up. Mess up a lot, you know, but mess up trying, though. Don't mess up going 60%. Mess up going 100%. And that's the main thing. Uh, like I said, I, you know, even our staff, I have them coach the kids. all. Hey, look, make sure you're telling them just to keep trying. Tell them messing up is okay. Our first huddle of camp every single day is, look, 
We want to see some mistakes today. Let's see those mistakes with you trying your absolute best with what you're training you to do, period. All right. And, uh, you know, so they, 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 they understand it. But obviously, in the heat of the game, they, you know, kind of revert back to different ways. But that's been a major struggle I've seen with, with different kids. Just wanting to be perfect. And if they're not, then they just they choose not to show anything. Now, I'm going to flip the question, and you may have just answered it. But now let's flip it on the, okay, looking at the athletes that you work with that are dominating in game time, right? They're dominating on the court. Yes, especially in high school, physical talent can be a huge factor, right? Sometimes it's just a man among boys, a woman among girls type situation. Mm -hmm. But I got to believe there's some also, there's some common mental traits Mm -hmm. in these athletes that are taking exactly what they do in practice onto the court and it looks seamless, Can you speak to that? Absolutely. Those athletes are the ones that just does not care in regards to mistakes and mishaps. They go for it. They're more daring. And that is, it's a, it's a, it's a common thread I've seen. They're just more daring. They're they're willing to try what we just practiced. You know, they try it out. If they get two turnovers trying a certain move in basketball or they get a couple errors in another sport, they'll try it again. And they're just more willing to go for it. That's awesome. I'm curious because now we're going to talk about the how. You know, I think about these athletes, especially the young kids. My my nephew's a junior in high school right now. Really good athlete, baseball, football player. What did play hockey for a while, but the amount of recruiting, the the amount the amount of scrutiny they're under today because they go to these exposure camps and these, yeah. you know, it's amazing. Like you and I didn't have that no. No, <laughs> back no. in the day. When you look at how you guys have designed pro level, let's go into the how, how do you guys, you know, how do you take an athlete that's still developing mentally and physically? Talk to us about how you work with these athletes. What does it look like? You know, for the parents listening in who might have that child that that is in desperate need of what pro level has to bring, how do you work with athletes? Well, again, you know, like I said, the, the whole approach uh, and objective is to not just build the on field, on ice, on court, in water skill set, you know, but it's to also develop the mindset. So we sit them down. We step off of the, those fields. You know what I mean? We, we get away from that for a moment so that they understand it's not just about that. You know, we, we help them to, to study the game, film breakdowns of themselves, film breakdown of other players, of the most ideal players, most ideal situations, so they can see how it looks. And we take them through how it actually feels. And, you know, we try our best to make things meet halfway or get them as close as possible to that ideal state and just get a lot of repetition. Um, that's one thing I learned as a pro was it wasn't about going into training or into practice and doing a thousand different things to say, yeah, I worked on this, 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 and that, and that. Go in and work on three things and do your best to get as close to comfortable perfection as possible. You know, and, and I don't want to say perfection, but I mean to where you feel like, man, I can do this tomorrow in a game. And so that's one thing I take athletes through all the times. We'll go in, we work on three, maybe four things, maybe four, but we get a lot of repetition to the point to where, you know, when we left, by the time we leave, 
you can do that. It's not like I might be able to pull that. No, you can do that. So that's that's the main thing. We sit them down. I have talks with a lot of my athletes at the end of our sessions, 10 minute talks, just to make sure I know where they are with what we just went over. So I make sure they understand what we just went over. And, you know, if, if I feel like they don't comprehend it, then we get back out on the floor. Even if we go over time, it's like it's that important to me for them to understand what it takes to execute. So um, that's what we do with a lot of athletes. We, we don't just train physically. We train them mentally by just sitting down and talking, going over, you know, film and things like that. And I know you're in New Jersey. Yeah. And so it's obviously you work with people, you know, in person, in the gym, in the classroom to help them out both, you know, to grow their game physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. What about the, the, the parents who have kids around the country who do, may not have close proximity to you in New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Do you guys work with athletes around the country in a virtual setting? Do you have other coaches around the country they can meet with? Mm-hmm. Is how, how does that look like from your, your, your current athletes you work with? Are they local to your market or can you guys work with anybody, anybody around the country? Well, especially earlier in, in the pandemic, obviously there's a lot of virtual training. It was, only, it was only virtual training, to be honest. So yeah, I, I was working with kids all over the country, you know, Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, Turkey, um, all, all over. You know, I was fortunate to put on um, the first virtual camp for Nike. But, uh, and it was, it was a heck of an experience, you know, having kids on Zoom. Everybody's in their driveway with a basketball or at the basketball court with the phone propped up against something, and it was just you know an amazing time. So um, I've gotten away from doing some virtual training for a moment, but yeah, other, we have other have other coaches that still does virtual training that still trains. Um, we have pretty much where our camps are. We have training for the most part set up in those areas. Um, so it's it's a great thing, and that's what is important because. Following camp, camps are samplers. You know what I mean? So we throw a lot at them within five days, but it's like, can we make sure that they can maintain that skill set that we just showed them during that short week? So um, we try to set up training wherever we have a camp. We have camps all over the country. So um, that's a great thing that we do. Again, virtually, we still do some virtual training as well. That's awesome. Here's a little promo I'd love you to make. You talked about camps mm-hmm. that you guys provide around the country. Uh, for the parents listening in, are there some camps that are coming up on the schedule? Uh, what locations? Yeah. Where you know, if, if somebody wanted to to really reach, you know, wanted to reach out and say, "Hey, I'd love to put my kid in one of your camps." Where what what can we? What do we see coming up on the horizon? Perfect. So we'll have about pro level training. We'll have about sixty Nike camps across the country. Um, we'll be having basketball camps, volleyball camps, track and field and soccer camps. And uh, right now we'll have those camps. I'm not gonna name all the places, but we have them in New Jersey where I am, across the state. We have them across Illinois, Chicago, Bolingbrook, uh, Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, across Minnesota, where we'll have about eight weeks of camps in Minneapolis, uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, across Utah, so yeah, Wyoming, we'll have camps all over the place, you know, so if you, if you want to check things out, you can even look up pro-level training, Nike sports camps, and um, or look up myself, Joel Green, it'll all kind of funnel and, you know, Google with this algorithm will help it up, hook you up with what you need, but um, yeah, so we'll, we'll have camps from June throughout August, and it's going to be all, 
a whole lot of fun. I'm being honest with you. It's not just because I'm, you know, I'm a part of this, but it's a, it's a fun process. It's a fun week and you, you're guaranteed to grow from it. Period. I think it's so important for every parent listening in to hear this. What I love about your camps, Joel, is there's probably as much time spent on the mental side as there is the physical. Mm-hmm. And I think so many parents today, again, my own nephew included, mm-hmm. they go to these camps for exposure, right? Yeah. And it's all physical, right? How yeah. fast do they run? How hard do they throw in basketball? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's, you know, shooting skills. All, very few time, very, very little time is spent on the mental side of the sport. Right. right. And I see, I agree with you more than anything. That's where I see kids lacking. You see so many kids go today to the college, especially the major college teams, football and basketball, and they don't perform to their, their expectations. And you, what you said earlier, just kind of hit home. Is it because mom and dad aren't there to push them anymore? That's, I think that has a big, I think it's a big piece of the puzzle, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I know even for me, you know, when I first went away, I'm like, you know, getting homesick and just, you know, thinking about family more than I've ever thought about family. But, you know, you have to quickly get over those hurdles. Um, just realize you have to execute wherever you are um, the same way you did on the AAU circuit when they weren't there. You just kind of have to have that same approach like, OK, I'll be back home. But when I get there. Um, but, you know, that's it's, I, I have a degree in psychology, so. The whole mental side of life is huge to me, you know, and that's when throughout college, me majoring in psychology, doing sports psychology helped me as an athlete, you know, it helped me get over mental hurdles. So by the time I got into business, I had to take that approach because I saw how much it helped me as an athlete. That's awesome. You know, I got a question I want to ask you because we've been talking about the mental personal development, right? And you have a lot of you have a lot of accolades. You you're a great speaker. You played pro basketball. You are at, you've done a TED talk, which is something that's on my bucket list. It's no easy feat. Uh, but something in your bio I wanted to ask you about is your thirty books in thirty weeks. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. And again, you talk about personal development. Absorbing thirty books in a matter of what is that seven eight months? Mm-hmm. What did that do for you? What did that teach you? Man, it transformed me. It transformed me big time. Um, it it was it was fun. It was enjoyable, especially once I got a rhythm. After I got my rhythm, after about the first seven books or so, you know, I I knew I was going to get it done. You know, because it was I was on a schedule. I put myself on a schedule, and I just made sure, as I do with with business, I I just made sure I was waking up early. If I had to, I stayed up a little bit later, but I didn't really have to do that many times. Um, I just kind of worked it into my lunch breaks. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm stepping away from the computer for a little bit. Let me read for 10 minutes. Let me read for 30 minutes if I have it. I'm reading around my meetings and, and Zoom calls and things like that. It was during, again, during the pandemic, had nothing but extra time on my hands, you know, uh, outside of still, you know, being a part-time teacher for my son because he was doing virtual schooling. But um, yeah, it was a, a fun, transformative process, man. I, I literally... If you can envision, I'm not sure if you ever saw the movie movie uh, Limitless, when they had to kind of take the pill. I forget his name, but he kind of became really aware of everything and extremely smart, right? And it was one scene towards like a time lapse of him just reading book after book after book, and then after that time lapse, he was just 
super intelligent. You're right. I, I felt like that happened to where I just picked up a wealth of knowledge in a short period of time. And for me, I told myself, I don't want to just take in all of this information. I want to make sure I'm applying this information. I don't want to just take it all in and, and not use it. So I was taking a lot of notes, you know, dog airing a lot of pages of the books, going back, reviewing it as much as I could. And um, like I said, it was transformative, man. It was a fun process. That's awesome. I think, I think there's just something in athletes, even long after they're done playing their sport. Mm -hmm that we like to challenge ourselves, right? Yeah. It's, I'm exactly. sure there was plenty of, I know who I'll be after I'm done reading this, yeah. doing this, but there was probably also the, I want to do it because 30 books in 30 weeks is a damn good challenge. It's a cha right, exactly. You know most wouldn't do it, so that's why you want to take it on. Yeah, so right. a couple more questions. Number one, for the parents who are like, cool, uh, I've got that volleyball player, that at track athlete, basketball player. By the way, I'm very disappointed baseball's not included, but I'll let that go, Joel. Look, we're, we're, working, we're working on it. I tried to get baseball two years ago. We're working on it. I got you. Uh, um, but if I'm very interested in having one of my children participate in one of your camps, what is the easiest way to get a hold of you or somebody on your team? Uh, ProLevelTraining.com. You can okay. visit ProLevelTraining.com. You'll see the contact tab on there. Uh, so we can reach out to my email person may even be on there as well. Uh, but that's the best way to get in touch with us. And uh, we'll direct you to wherever your city, your state is the closest camp to your location. And um, we'll help you get registered. Awesome. And last question. Being an adult now, like, like you are having gone through a lot now, a parent, hmm. if you could go back and give, the 16 year old Joel Green, some advice, knowing what you know today as an athlete getting recruited. Yeah. What advice would you give yourself? Enjoy all of it. All of it. Um, you know, I, I took some things too serious at the time. Um, if this doesn't happen, then ah, I'll be disappointed. You know, if that's, if that does happen, I will be disappointed. Nah, just enjoy all of it. You know, it doesn't last forever so just enjoy all of it that's exactly what if, if i had a, a time machine man and i could talk to my 16 year old self i would tell myself to enjoy every bit of it dude that i will tell you one of the biggest disappointments i have in my baseball career is when i got to pro baseball mm -hmm. i looked at it like a job right and i, right, and I didn't exactly. enjoy it as exactly. much as i could so i'm glad you said that well joe thank you very much this has been awesome and yeah, i appreciate um, it one of the missions of my podcast, which is what you guys are doing for young athletes, is I firmly believe when you give kids, when you, when you have clarity, when you create clarity for somebody, whether that's a plan, a strategy, a skill, it gives them confidence. Sure. And when they are confident, that's when they start executing and taking that action. For your athletes, it's during game time. If I'm confident because I have this skill now or I know what I'm doing, I'm going to take that action in, in, in game time. And it could be the same thing in business. So I, I really appreciate what you had to say. And for everybody else that's listening out there, if you got kids that uh, are at the high school age that are, are budding stars and you want to send them to one of Joel's uh, Nike camps, you know where to go, proleveltraining.com. Um, I love what they're doing with the mental, you know, physical and mental skill sets that they're training. So, Joel, thank you for everybody else. Thank you for listening in. Again, when you get that clarity, you mix it with that confidence, massive things happen. So go make it happen. Today. Love it. Love it. Appreciate it.
Thank you for listening into this week's episode. And if you know of any other high achievers like yourself that you think would benefit from this episode, please do me a favor. Please share this with them. You would help me go a long way in sharing this message, getting this message out to as many people as possible. I'd be forever grateful. And if you really found benefit from today's episode, do me a favor. Go subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating. Leave a great review. It always helps to make sure that this podcast is getting in front of as many ears and eyeballs as possible. Thank you.